Psalm 60. And we will talk about one thing that um, is mentioned that's very, very powerful. And I felt the Lord prompt that, prompt that upon me. Um, Psalm 60, we'll read it from the ESV. Oh God, you have rejected us. Oh, great. Broken our defenses. You have been angry. Oh, 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 restore us. You have made the land to quake. You have torn it open. Repair its breaches, Lord, for it totters. You have made your people see hard things. You've given us wine to drink that make us stagger. And so the psalmist begins with this lament for the land that the land is convulsing, it's quaking, it's split, it's uh, experiencing um, uh, defeat in war. Uh, it's got breaches, it totters. And uh, this is the land that God has called us to be witnesses in. <laughs> he has called us to be people who share God's light in the land. And sometimes we can feel that if we are supposed to be blessed by God, what's happening to us? And I wonder whether there's some who are experiencing this, just this. You feel that God has put you in, in, in your school or your, um, your, your circle of friends or your neighborhood or in your work and things are not really going well. They're supposed to be going well, and we thought that as Christians, God is going to bless us, and God is going to give us the promised land or, or the, the, the covenant and all that, and it's not going well. And, um, and the psalmist is speaking into a situation like that, verse 1 to verse 3. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger, and it's, it's almost as if we are not on firm rock, or we're not on firm ground. I felt that God had something to say to those of us who are experiencing this um, and to speak to us about situations that seem unstable. Yeah, unstable. Or you have experienced the results, the consequences of some kind of disobedience or some kind of sin or some kind of mistake or some kind of unfortunate situation has taken place that, and, you're, and you can't shake it off. You can't shake it off. And the, the answer begins with verse 4. And it's on verse 4 that there is a, there's an important key here. You have set up a banner for those who fear you, that they may flee to it from the bow. And so what uh, the psalmist is saying is, is there is such a thing as a banner. And this banner is where you can flee to from wherever you are under attack, you've been hit by arrows or whatever it is, or people are sh sh shooting arrows. There's a banner for which you can go and you can flee to the, the place. And this banner is powerful because when you flee to it, it gives you salvation. That says that your, it says that they may flee to it from the bow, verse 4. Verse 5, that your beloved ones may be delivered, give salvation by your right hand and answer us. He's saying that there is a place that you can go that's a banner. You can flee to that place and, 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 and turn back into the blessing of God. That's an amazing thing, right? It's a banner. Now, if you think, what's so great about a banner? You know, a banner is just a flag, right? It's like, 
We have banners. We have a banner right out there that's celebrating our 10th anniversary. What's so powerful about that? It's just a flimsy thing that is just saying things. And for some people, your, that banner is just words, just saying things. Exciting, in, inspiring, even God-honoring things. But their concept of a banner is that of sort of a, a, a flag that communicates something, yeah? that communicates the essence of that group of people or whatever it is. I want to put it to you that actually that's not what a banner means. A banner is actually much more powerful than that. And it is very important for us, wherever we are experiencing, um, whether we are having trouble with relationships in church, or in school, or at work, or in the family, or things are broken up, going on. And when that, is, when that happens, there is a banner that, to which you can actually go to, because that banner seems to be more powerful than just a flag. More powerful than just a picture or words. It is it's amazing. For us to understand that, um, I want to turn with you to Exodus, and we won't spend too much time with it, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. And this is the first time the word banner appears in the Old Testament, yeah? Really? Verse 8, when Alec, Amalek, 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 these are the descendants of uh, Esau, Edom, yeah, in Edom, came and fought with Israel at Rephidim, Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. With the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill and whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And wherever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. That's a really interesting thing. That God would give them victory dependent upon whether Moses could actually be uh, having his hand up. Yeah? It's like, huh? how does that work? When he turned it on, he switched on the powers of heaven and he, when, his, when, he, when his hand went down, he switched them off. Is that right? But it seems to be that, though, that way. Um, their victory depended upon Moses' hands being up. We can sometimes call that prevailing prayer. Yeah? Prevailing prayer. That means prayer that keeps pressing until the breakthrough happens. And there's a certain kind of prayer, a certain kind of power of God that doesn't come just by praying nice words or even poetic words, but it comes by prevailing upon the enemy, prevailing somehow, you know? We'll find out what, what more of that is. The Lord said to Moses, write this... Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so his hand... So what happened was that Aaron and her held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So they got some, he got some help. And, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. It's amazing. Now, then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua 
okay, the guy who was down there fighting, you you need to recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. So the banner did not look like a flag at all. It was a staff. It was hands raised. It was something more material than that. In fact, in the, in the Old Testament and, uh, and in the ancient Near East, the word banner usually uh, uh, signified a cast iron or a, or a metal object. Not a flag, actually, but it was an object that symbolized the, the essence of a nation. And when they raised it up, they were not just raising it up for advertisement. They were raising it up because they were saying, we come under it. We are submitted to it. Submitted to that essence. But there's something about this banner, which we see in Psalm 60 and Exodus chapter 17, that has to do with the fact that the banner itself has power. It doesn't point to power. It is powerful. Isn't it amazing? That when, when Moses lifted up the, the, the rod, which had done miracles itself, right? It had defeated Egypt. It had destroyed all the, all the gods of Egypt. It's amazing. It was more powerful than all the powerful gods of Egypt. It had power. The banner was not a symbol the banner was the thing itself. It was the power of God itself. And so, when the psalmist in Psalm 60 says, if you're in trouble, if you're in trouble in your school, if you're in trouble with your friends, if you're in trouble in your own body, in your, in, your, in, your, in your land, in your life, you just flee to it. You go to it because it's not a flag. It has power. It has supernatural life and power that will defend you. It will heal you. It will solve things in your life. Because that banner was a, the power and the presence of God. But it was up there to symbolize what it meant to be in covenant with this God. Okay? When Moses, I've said this before, when Moses said, how will the children of Israel know that I'm, I'm sent by you, right? That you sent me. Then God said to Moses, what's in your hand? He says, a staff. Throw it down, right? And the staff turned into a snake, a serpent. And, uh, and God said, now pick it up. And it turned into a staff. And then he says, by this, will they know? Or in another version, so that they may believe. So Moses says, what is going to validate my ministry? The staff. The staff can be called a uh, so that they may believe. And I always ask people, do you have one of those? Do you have a so that they may believe? Every time you pick it up, God does works in it. God has given us a banner and that banner Jehovah Nisi, right? 
is the Lord is my banner. It's the staff. Isn't that amazing? When Christians talk about a banner, we don't talk about like rah-rah. We don't talk about like yay, yippity, yippity, whoop-de-doo. We talk about something that's of substance that is real. When you turn to Him, healing begins to take place. But there's a certain kind of turning to it. There's a certain way in which we carry the banner that's really important, right? It's not a sort of, you throw up the banner and hope that something will happen. You have to hold it up. You have to keep your hand there. And when your hand gets tired, you have to make compensation for your tiredness. Okay? You have to make compensation. You've got to get help. You have to not pray by yourself. Pray. Praying by yourself is, is essential. It's the foundation. But pray with people too. So Aaron and her were Moses' prayer partners. Without them, Moses would have flagged. It's an interesting fact that Moses actually was required to pray through the whole day, you know, from morning to night. Who is sufficient for that? There are some enemies, some turnarounds that are needed in our lives. I can think of a few when I was in school too. Where I needed something more of connection with God and prayer than I could give humanly for myself. I could only pray for so long. But when I had people who are praying with me and I joined this group of people who are praying, it would, it would do tremendous good. Now, some of you may not know, but when the Holy Spirit moved in my school, people started coming to the Lord. I must admit, many of them who came to the Lord were not people who were that good in their studies. And exams were coming up real fast. Now, I was okay. So what I did was that I sort of gathered together. together. They had just become Christians. You know, they, many of them had not looked at their books for a long time. And, and here I have this motley crew of rogues who are now become Christians. And the exams were coming up really soon, you know, in about like four, four or three weeks. And they had not touched the book. And so what we did was that we formed a study group. And as we studied... What I would do, you see, I would ask God, what's coming out for the exam? <laughs> so I'll study the topics that, that I, 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 I thought we should spot, like make a guess, right? And thank God, you know, they all came out. So this bunch of rogues passed their exams to the, sh to the chagrin of the professors who thought they should fail. But there was another thing that happened is that we prayed. You see, we prayed all the, all the time. We prayed together. We, we took up a seminar room and, uh, you know, a bunch of us would, would pray together and then we would study. And then I'd give them tutorials <laughs> on English. Oh, dear, dear, dear. But the people began to, 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 to find out that when we were studying, we Christians, all these new Christians as well, were studying, they knew where we studied. So one day, there was a guy who had come onto campus, not a student, but, he, but uh, uh, a drug addict. And uh, he collapsed and had a fit, right? He started getting violent, violent fits in the University of Malaya. And uh, you know, guess what? People began to come to our seminar room because they knew we prayed. 
And they said to us, hey, can you help this guy? This guy's having a fit. We rushed out, and here he was. He has, his tongue was bleeding because he was biting his tongue. And he was like kind of all over in convulsions, right? And so, you know, we were new to all this Christian stuff and the spiritual stuff. But I had seen people laying hands and praying for rebuking the devil. So I told all my friends, let's do that. So we very seriously and as professionally as we could prayed and we rebuked the devil out of it. And immediately he was okay. There were, by that time, about like 40 people or so, you know, surrounding security guards and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and they started clapping. We didn't pay attention to them. We just started ministering to him. And then he shared with us that he had not been formerly a Christian, but he had gone away from the Lord and gone into drugs and all that. And, uh, and we started having a worship, worship service in front of all those people. We didn't care. And the people who were around us started joining in and singing, including um, uh, M background, <laughs> what Richard would call M background, <laughs> Muslims. Yeah. And it was so amazing, you know, that, that that happened. Because there was something of a Moses, Aaron, and her situation that had to do with supporting each other in prayer and in all other ways as well. And it became a banner. banner. People knew where to find us. That's, now I think about it, it's like, wow, we just did it as if it was nothing. <laughs> Sometimes what happens is that when the Holy Spirit leads, you don't even think about it. You just, you just move, right? So this is what Moses said. You're going to call this, the Lord is my banner. He made an altar and he called it, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nisi or Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And that does not mean a flag. It does not mean just advertisement. It does not mean what we mean here. Now I'd like to turn with you to another part where we see that. And... Uh, and it's in um, Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. And that will be where our main part of the message will be. If you can turn with me to Numbers 21. I just thought of the fact that, you know, if you grow up Christian like me, we would bring our Bibles to church. Nowadays we have all that. All that. Yes, good. Good job. And, 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 and so, not that many of you bring Bibles, I just realized. But just for tradition's sake, turn with me, please, to Numbers chapter 21, and we'll read it from verse 4, okay? From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. So this is the children of Israel. They had not entered into the promised land. They have been, they have been there in the wilderness. Okay? So Mount Hall, from Mount Hall, they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Remember, Edom was where the Amalekites, Amalekites came from. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and we loathe this 
worthless food. Complaining about the food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the pole, the bronze serpent, and live. So the bronze serpent is a banner. right? It's a, it's a banner. It has power. Just by looking at it, when we turn to it, we flee to it, it will happen. But I'd like to look at this because I, perhaps, perhaps this will speak to you. What have you... You know, the children of Israel had been in the wilderness for some time. And they had got used to complaining. They had got used to speaking against God. Right? They had got used to that. In fact, in Exodus chapter 17, we see them, them um, complaining, you know. Are there not enough graves in Egypt for us to, to, to be buried in? Why you brought us here? God has brought us here to, to die, die of thirst, die. Before that, at the, at the Red Sea, they complain against. So you find that in many different parts, they have complained and complained and complained and complained. And they complained up to this point. Not much happened to them. God was very merciful. But it looks like their complaint hit a certain level and had accumulated in their hearts for such a judgment to become so severe. And I wonder whether what happened with them is that they had got used so much to speaking in the flesh, you know? Speaking out the negativity, the lies of the devil to such an extent that they rebel against God, to such an extent that it hit a certain pitch. It hit a certain level of complaint and rebellion that caused God to just take His protection away and let the fiery serpents just have their way. Up to that time, God had been protecting them. There must have been more than fiery serpents all there but the angels had been protecting them and, you know, there was a cloud of, pillar of, p- pillar of uh, fire and a, and a cloudy pillar as well. They had been protecting them, protecting protect them. But they came to a point where they hit, by small increments probably, a certain level of complaint that to such an extent that it got so bad that they got stung by fiery serpents. Sometimes what happens is that by slow accretion or, or accumulation of impurity in our heart, that we sort of take it, take, take it lightly. Sin actually sometimes increases in our heart to such an extent it stings us. And for some reason, we find that we don't have strength, we don't have discipline. We're used to kind of lazing around, for, for example. And after a while, we can't overcome it. A bondage comes when sin, by small increments, increases. When we sort of say, 
it's going to be okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And we just let it pass. We let the things pass. But one day we find ourselves in bondage. We don't have the strength. We don't have the grace. We don't have the, 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 the love in the heart. That thing, it's just got all dried up. And we've become like a fiery bitterness or unforgiveness or, or lack of strength, lack of faith. And we begin to find that we become less sensitive to the presence of God, to the Word of God. We find it harder to hear from God. We find it harder to get close to God. We, and, 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 and what happens is that over years, we, get fi- we find it harder to just be up, up and go get it. Go at things, you know. We just, have, we just lose emotional strength. We become more susceptible. We become more fragile. We become more irritable. And you can see that what, what um, had happened in, in verse 21 is that they became impatient. They became impatient. The Lord's, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Um, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. And what happens is that we lose our appreciation for food. <laughs> we f- lose our f- appreciation for things. We, get s- we lose the en- enjoyment of things. Before long, we start complaining about small, small things. Before it is, we complain that there's no food. Now it's, this is worthless food. Blaming the chef. The chef is in heaven. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. I just wonder whether you may be suffering from something that is stinging you. It didn't begin by stinging you. It began as a some, something that you just let go. Perhaps a callousness in terms of what your eyes see. And what you allow yourself to be attracted to. A callousness with words, with, with speech or with words. A certain way in which you gossip, perhaps. Or become a rumor monger. Or a certain way in which you know you're meant to please God, but you allow a little bit of pleasing people to happen. Just pleasing people, pleasing people. Before long, they have lodged in you to such an extent you are, you are in bondage to them. It's okay, it's okay, it's all right, it's fine. It's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. Don't be too, too punctilious about these things. Don't be too particular. It's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. Before long, it's not fine. One of the things that I, I noticed in, uh, in, uh, in America is the number of uh, R-rated movies Christians watch. Christians, I was, um, I was amazed at how, how many R-rated movies Christians watch. Now, I'm he- not here to judge you. Perhaps you are f- strong. Okay? You don't get affected by these things. Okay, good. All right, this is not for you then. But there are some people who go based upon what other people find are good. There's a code of what there's a code of what movies Christians can watch that's somewhere out there. And going by that code, it's okay. For some people, you shouldn't even be watching a PG-13 movie. 
It's not because it's necessarily immoral. It's just that it's for you, it's not good for you. Because if you value hearing from God, you value being a pure vessel for God, then you would do extraordinary things that are not considered necessary, but because you're going for something more precious, you're going for that. Does that make sense? So don't get me, don't get me wrong while I'm talking about movies and entertainment. I'm just talking about the fact that for some of us, we have fragilities that nobody knows about and you not disclose to anybody. But you know yourself. So by small accretions of, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Coolness can sometimes become a bondage that has a fiery, serpent-like hold upon you. You have to know yourself. Because there are things that are really important for us to be able to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. To be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You don't go by whether it's lawful or not. You go by what is expedient in the, Old Test- in the, in the King James Version. What it means is, is it helpful for you? When I, became a, when I became a full-time worker in training, I began to realize that there was a way in which I had to live by a kind of a different thing. And so my pastor said, you've got to live by this. Others may, you may not, perhaps. Yeah? So I, I, I feel that there's a way in which God is actually going to do something in our lives for that, for that purpose. Amen? And so what I want to... To, to do is to just draw your attention to this. But there was a banner, there was a, um, um, an answer when God had, that God had for these people. It says, The people came to Moses, verse 7, seven and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Yeah? They're having problems. They're having pain. They're dying. Moses, pray for us. Moses prayed for them. And when he prayed, God spoke to Moses and he says, this is not the way I'm wanting you to deal with it. Not just pray for them. I want you to set up this serpent, a bronze serpent up there. Can you see this? And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So God's solution was not for Moses to pray for them, but for Moses to set up this banner so that they will actually gaze at it and behold it. And the word is the, 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 best, the best word for the words look and see is behold. That's the King James. Behold means you look for a long time. You look for it with great concentration because that looking is going to determine whether you live or you die. For you to be healed, you don't just take a, take a quick glance. You're going to have to behold, behold. That means you've got, to, you've got to see in a holding way. You've got to hold your concentration there until the healing flows. And there are certain kinds of healing that can only happen that way. There are certain kinds of healing that you can pray, you can come up for prayer, everybody prays for you, within a few seconds, boom, you're healed. There, but most healing takes place by beholding. And so what God was saying is this, when you experience healing, there is something that I want you to engage in, which is not just 
getting Moses or someone else to pray for you, but to actually hold, set your mind upon me and call out to me in a sustained way. And you will sometimes need to do it the whole day and for days and days and days and for weeks perhaps even. For, but it's, it will be longer than you can endure. And when that is longer than you, you, you can endure, you need Aaron and her to help you because you are not enough for that. But for a deeper work to be done, it doesn't come by just having a one-tap prayer. It's cool, it's nice, quick, efficient, but it doesn't do the job. Because sometimes what we need is inner healing because of the great length of time that accretions of it's okayness, of sin, of callousness have accumulated in us. The beholding may not be as long as the, as the, as the sinfulness has been, but it will be one in which God begins through that to train our minds train our spirits to get back in alignment because what sin and, and callousness does is that it makes us, it makes our mouth, it makes our mouth filthy. It makes our mouth have a bad spirit. It makes our thought and our, it makes our way in which we see people in a bad spirit because that becomes the, 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 the default mode. And what God does is that when, he, when we behold Him, we begin to be realigned to him again. And so Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent above the earth, so the Son of Man will be lifted up above the earth. That those who believe him will be saved. That those who believe him will be saved. How long does it take for me to believe? How long does it take when I have all my pain and all my raging uh, feelings to calm down to such an extent that I can really believe. Not just know it in my head, but to actually believe it, to completely be completely convicted about it. How long does it take? I believe, help my unbelief, right? And that is why there is a different kind of prayer that comes with this banner and that has to do with holding, beholding God. And it's, it's over time. And what we have found in daily prayer is that as we begin to pray these prayers that are incessant, yeah, more and more consistent, more and more consistent, we begin to see, get a feel of healing rising, improvements arising, changes arising, circumstances and situations changing over time. But because you have been beholding, you've got the feel, you have a good feel of these things. You can you're sensitive to how God moves. You can sense you're sensitive to the distance moved in prayer. You're, you're sensitive to the fact that, oh, it was really heavy before, it was really, really dark. But as I pray more and more, I can feel it lightening. And when you're in corporate prayer, then you ask, Did you feel that? Oh yeah, I felt that. Oh, that's confirmed. Does that make sense? But when you're on your own, who are you gonna ask? Confirm? Yes, confirm. No. There's a way in which Aaron and her are necessary to bear witness with all what we're doing. And so what I want to put to you is this. There is a place, a banner, that you and I have to set up in your land for other people to come to. If they don't see the banner, 
if they only see our cultural sensitivity, they will not be saved. Cultural sensitivity is good. But the banner must take precedence over it. The truth of God has to come. You and I need to have a clear place where people can say, I have a need, and Jesus fulfills this need. During our uh, uh, pillars, for a few of the sessions, we will ask the question, in what way is Jesus the answer for all our longings and all our needs? All our problems. In what way is Jesus for everything that we go through? Amen? So there's a way in which um, this banner is something that I want to, want to encourage all of us as a church, in wherever you are in your land, your workplace, among your friends and relatives. Let people know. Let Jesus, that Jesus heals, He delivers, He changes, He transforms. He is the answer for every longing. You may not be able to answer every intellectual question that they have. You may not be able to answer the, the, the questions of the day, but you have the answer to our need, our personal need. Amen? It says, He set up, he set up a banner so that those who of us could flee from the, the bows and the arrows can flee to that place. You and I can set up a place. Come to my shop. Come to my place. Come to my desk. Come to my, my, where I'm stud, studying in the library. I remember when I was in, in college, uh, we had, I, had a, you know, I was doing my, 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 my master's, so they gave me a little carol. They call it a carol. It's a small little box of a place. And I would have a stream of people coming to my carol and asking for prayers or kind of questions and all that. Set up one for yourself. Let people know, this is where you can come. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Because Jesus is the answer. But if they don't know, they don't know, what to, they, they don't know that, they can, that, they, that you embody something so good, so wonderful in people's lives. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. That on the cross, you took upon yourself every pain, every bondage, every sin, every transgression, every shame, every disease. Thank you that on your by your very life, in your incarnation, you took upon us, took upon yourself our sinful body our sinful nature, and carried it without a break right to its conclusion on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that John chapter 3 tells us that as the Son of Man was lifted up above the earth, as Moses lifted up the serpent above the earth, so will the Son of Man be lifted up upon the earth, that those who believe will be saved. We come before you with our own burdens, our own bondages, and our own issues. Things that have pained us, things that have become like fiery serpents, accumulated, um, 
accumulated sins and pains, small dragons that have become huge ones now. And we thank you that at every stage of development of these dragons, you have completely, comprehensively defeated them. And so we look to you, wherever you are, if it's fear, whatever problem, whatever pain, whatever stuck place, bring it to Him right now. It may not be instantly relieved. And you begin at first to try to look to Him and then you get distracted. And that's why the word behold is so helpful. We look to Him and hold it there. We get distracted a few times and we bring it back, bring it back. After a while we get a grip Praise your Lord. Let's just look to Him right now. Get a taste of that. We look to You, Lord. You who carried our burdens. We look to You and lay it at Your feet. Some of us have such a bad self-image because of what our history, what people have said about us that it sticks to us. Behold Him. Just set your mind towards Him. You don't have to see anything. Just set your mind in His direction, towards God. Even as you do that, you call upon Him. Healing is flowing. Healing is flowing. Healing is flowing. In fact, the Bible says that when we call upon Him, the enemies turn back. Something happens. Some of us have this feeling that we're just so unlovable. We're so under reproach. We've been so reviled. We've been so insulted. We've been so shamed that it's hard to share it off. Some of us, because of our history, we just can't help thinking that that's us. And the Lord says, as you look to Him, He has carried upon Himself all your shame, all your past, all your old person. Just hold it there. Let your healing flow right now. Let the hard, cold accusations drop off right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All the defenses, all the self-protectionism, all the defenses, let it go. The banner is over those things. 
blessing We need healing from God. So if you have any need for healing, just go and bring it to the Lord right now. There is a banner that we can flee to, flee away from the bows and arrows of accusations, unkindness, harshness. Bless your name, Lord. We thank you for your presence with us and for even now being available 24-7 for every moment right now when we experience the flaming serpents. We bless you and commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name.